1: Welcome back. 6025080960. I've been trying to track as much as possible incursions into civil liberties. Uh, Tucker Carlson has his claim against the NSA, which appears more and more credible every day. Um, and as you know, as I often will point out, we are hamstrung in certain cases here because. The incursions, the cribbings, come from private enterprises. Donald Trump launched a lawsuit today against Facebook and uh, Twitter and some other social media trying to, how shall we say, pierce that veil. But in the meantime, let's be aware of what is taking place in our private and quasi-governmental private organizations. Uh, Business Insider one of the uh, leading business reporting organizations in the world. Uh, This headline from the Daily Caller. They have compiled a database to track former Trump officials. A business insider list of former President Donald Trump's officials tracks where these figures are working since departing the administration. Warning that, like Trump, These former staffers are, quote, nowhere close to being gone, close quote. The effort here is, of course, to not only target them and harass them, but to target their employers and harass their employers. Meantime, over at the National Education Association, they have forwarded a budget that includes $60,000 to investigate Anti-critical race theory organizations—that is to say, organizations which are mentioned in their in their um, in their budget, like the Heritage Foundation. Do you? I, I I just don't know how many people pay NEA dues. But would you be happy to know that the equivalent of a full year of your salary, basically the equivalent of a full year of your salary, is going? For partisan reporting about the Heritage Foundation, they are investigating their opponents with their budget. Do you think that that's really going to shut down places like the Heritage Foundation, or do you think it's going to make the NEA look even more like a tyrannical organization that can brook and tolerate no dissent? I say be afraid and be very afraid. I really do. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring to the table here was kind of a pickup, if I can, from last week, where Ilan Omar confessed that she never really did apologize for comparing Israel and the United States to the Taliban and Hamas and that she didn't take the criticism from Jewish members of her Democratic caucus as too serious because, as she said, the Jewish members of Congress have not been particularly good, quote, unquote, partners in justice, supporting democratic movements, small d, opposing Israel. That's what she said. Now, just handily enough, I was thinking about, boy, do you fight injustice by supporting the Palestinian government and their cause right now? Is that, I mean, as between the two, is that where the support for justice comes from? Here comes the New York Times, which probably had to choke on publishing the article they published today. I have never seen anything like it. But it must be so obvious and so serious they couldn't avoid it. Here's the headline. Critics' death puts focus on Palestinian authorities' authoritarianism. Now remember, Ilan Omar thinks we should be supporting these movements to show that we are partners in justice. I'll just quote from the New York Times. Hundreds of Palestinians massed in central Ramallah's Clock Tower Square one night in late June to protest the Palestinian authorities' brutality after anti-corruption activists died in its custody. The activist Nizar Banat was seized in a wave of arrests and his family said Palestinian security officers beat him to death. The protest was peaceful still quoting the New York Times, until a group of pro-government cadres from the ruling Fatah party descended on it, close quote. Interesting use of the word cadre. I used that word in my monologue today. It's a Trotskyite term. That specifies how people are to behave in tyrannical organizations, which, of course, Fatah has the benefit of being both that and a terrorist organization. Let me continue Report uh, quoting from The New York Times. Reporters for The New York Times saw them charge at protesters, the Fatah Palestinian Authority um, 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 uh, police, including young women and boys, throwing stones at them, beating them with clubs, flagpoles, and fists, and snatching cell phones from people suspected of documenting the events. You want to, you want to know why you don't have such great video gr- videography of the um, of the uh, of the tyranny and terrorism of the Palestinian government against its own people. This is why they put blocks on the media and they seize cell phones we will never document in a place like the PA what we documented with regard to George Floyd because here generally we kind of support the notion of people having freedom and taking pictures of whatever they want including police in violation of their duty in the Palestinian authority that's precisely what is disallowed let me continue quoting from the new york times about ilan omar's country that shows its revelations of justice. Quote, the unrest over Mr. Banat, whose death at the hands of Palestinian officials has been compared to the killing of Jamal Khashoggi has drawn fresh attention from to what critics describe as the increasingly autocratic rule of Mahmoud Abbas, the authoritarian, the authority's octogenarian president. And it's ever more blatant clampdown on any semblance of democratic process, freedom of expression, and, judicial independence, and non-governmental organizations. Two points, if I might. The first being that we're talking about the West Bank, the Palestinian Authority. This is the moderate group. Hamas and Gaza being the extremists, everything I have told you, Comes from the moderate group, and as the New York Times says, it is stamping out and clamping down on any semblance of democratic process, freedom of expression, judicial independence, and non governmental organizations. What are we talking about? We're talking about things like Amnesty International, which I quoted from earlier. Partners in justice, if you think of what the criterion are for justice, you might think democratic processes, freedom of expression, judicial independence, and non-governmental organizations; those might be good banners or emblems of justice. That's what's being clamped down on in the Palestinian authorities' West Bank," said Wassam Husseini, 29. They are not hiding it any more. This is really another occupation. It's not a government. Mr. Husseini, like many, was convinced that the assailants had been plainclothes Palestinian security officials. He described the Palestinian Authority as a corrupt dictatorial group. These protests, by the way, have spread throughout the West Bank cities, including Bethlehem and Hebron. Okay. All right. Partnership in justice includes or means really specifically, because this is the only time Ilan Omar gets into trouble, is talking about this region, um, is uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the clamping down on any semblance of democratic process, freedom of expression, judicial independence, and non-governmental organizations. There you go. There you go. Meanwhile, Israel has put Arabs in its cabinet and has had its most recent of something close to five elections in six years. Democratic processes alive and well. Perhaps we can start calling the Palestinian Authority an apartheid state. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning. Chris Funk and his team at Cool Touch Air conditioning are the company that I use. They're the company my friends use. They're the company my family uses. For all your air conditioning needs, a new unit, a repair, an inspection, you name it. They have a special new unit they're promoting right now that acts almost as if it's got a light with a dimmer switch on it. So that instead of your air conditioning unit having to go through continual surges uh, with huge drags on your power to keep you at the temperature you want, you get the most comfortable living environment and the biggest savings on your utility bill with this system. Cool Touch eliminates the pain and surprise and with fantastic customer service too. And they're offering a $2000 rebate on this current system I'm talking about, but for all your air conditioning needs, reach my friends at Cool Touch at 623-734-1932. That's six two three seven three four one nine three two, or visit them online at CoolTouchAC.com. And as usual with Cool Touch, kick back and relax; they will keep you cool. I um I spent a fair amount of time here, or we all did, talking about uh, the woke. Um, Invasion uh, of the body snatchers at the Department of Defense and our military, particularly with regard to uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the head of naval operations uh, and the secretary of defense, uh, all defending uh, critical race theory last week. Uh, Seth, we've been trying to get our arms and heads around how, you know, the U.S. military has succumbed to such soft-headed thinking, and Seth Cropsey over in the Hill has a pretty good explanation I'd like to run by you. Turns out, after we won the Cold War, the peace dividend never really materialized. The 1990s and 2000s proved more troublesome than we thought. Civilian leaders started calling upon the military to execute a variety of tasks from humanitarian relief and peace enforcement to counterinsurgency. The Army and the military, more broadly, prophesized the erosion of American military power if the armed services did not dedicate themselves to fighting and winning conventional wars. Any additional task would hollow out u.s military confidence competence. see for example the Lieutenant Colonel Charles Dunlap fictional account of a 2012 coup, the kerfuffle over Apache gunships in the in the Balkans, or Les Aspen's resignation under Bill Clinton. It is therefore astonishing to witness the contortions the military and defense established have worked themselves into defending woke measures. Within the armed services, Tom Cotton, former Army captain, uh, published a memorandum detailing 28 instances of critical race theory related bias in the military correlated from anonymous online submissions his office had gathered. These included the propagation of racial narratives, undermining unit morale, anti-racism instruction, anti-radicalization training with no mention of Islamic terrorism, the exclusion of white service members from diversity training events, and the explicit suppression of dissenting viewpoints. Critical race theory, an intellectual movement with a single core premise, U.S. legal institutions are inherently racist and designed to uphold white supremacy. It intersects with other progressive academic orthodoxies the military has been taking on, having to do with gender, sexuality, religion, class, and white supremacy, as the chief of the of the uh, as the as the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said, he wanted to understand it. Who knew the U.S. military was targeting white supremacy? Who knew that was part of their charge? In any event, um, it is striking that the defense of the military actions in this regard are so incoherent. Uh, the chairman of the joint, uh, joint Chiefs, General Milley, correctly asserted that military officers and enlisted men should be broad-minded, have exposure to opposing viewpoints, and understand the country they've pledged to defend. Uh, the reading of Marx, uh, per his example, gets you there how, though. And it's not as if issues of race, gender, and sexual orientation should be ignored, We have a complex history in that, but no more complex, honestly, than that of any other country, really. Perhaps actually more simple. Still, still, the issue is not one of intellectual diversity or the necessity of preventing and responding to racism in the military. Rather, it's become increasingly apparent that the military has turned to the radical and bizarre ends of the anti-racist camp for guidance and national discussions on race. Like every major company and academic institution since about the summer of last year. Moreover, we have to recognize the difficult position that some of these people are in. The Biden administration's directive have placed them squarely in the midst of an increasingly noxious and nihilistic culture war. Why do I say that? Because every member of the military swears an oath to support and defend the U.S. Constitution. If we accept critical race theorists and their academic fellow travelers claims that the Constitution is institutionally racist, then absurdity follows. All service members must be racists for swearing to support and defend an article of white supremacy. Mustn't they be doing that? Of course they must be. The issue, however, cannot be solved with a more considered curriculum that avoided the anti-racism's radicalism, the military's task, as it insisted so strongly in that throughout the 1990s, is to fight and win wars, particularly those against great power rivals whose objectives threaten American interests. There is one country that is foremost of these, and that is China. Russia might be second, but there is a partnership with Russia and a growing military capacity between the two. And despite President Xi's promises to ensure party control over the military, he has grown a large professional armed force that could challenge any element of Chinese society, prioritizing and improving the People Liberation Army's readiness and capabilities virtually from the moment he gained power. In 2012, he's purged old officer corps of their thieving grandees. He's initiated large-scale military exercises and invested in the technology and defense industrial base necessary to construct a modern power projection force. We, on the other hand, sit through implicit bias and systemic racism workshops and seminars and are told explicitly that the country... They swore to uphold is inherently unjust. Who wins that war? I'm Seth Liebson. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm Seth. Six zero two. Five zero eight zero nine six zero. A lot of you have been uh, following uh, with increasing interest the uh, mayoral election in um, New York City. And it looks like you have the most conservative possible Democrat, a former policeman himself, Captain, uh, as victorious on the Democratic line there. Uh, Eric Adams, his victory, as Paul Meringoff writes, is a big win for policing. He's rejected calls to defund the police and, in fact, has advocated for more police funding and more actual policing. Uh, Imagine uh, a city that painted signs of BLM all over the streets and even when they were defaced, had city officials under the charge of Mayor de Blasio repaint them and rename them. Imagine that city putting, as the Democratic candidate for mayor, the strongest advocate for more policing. Whether this translates into anything like a return to the proactive and highly effective policing back in the mid-'90s when Giuliani was mayor will, of course, remain to be seen. But at least policing in the city is unlikely to get worse, as it would have if a different candidate, perhaps including the one backed by Alexandria ocasio Cortez who finished second if that candidate had won, it would have gotten worse. There was no discussion of big city um, uh, there, excuse me no discussion I should say a big city Democratic primaries would be complete without a note on identity politics. Eric Adams is black. the eventual runner-up AOC's um, candidate is Latino. Of course, there was Andrew Yang, an Asian-American who had previously run for president, who came in fourth. Yang encouraged his supporters to make the Latina their second choice in the ranking of candidates. Many did so, and that's a major reason why she came in second. Adams accused the Asian and the Latina of ganging up on him, and he called it, quote, a cynical attempt to disenfranchise black voters, close quote, This is all very much nonsense. The Latina candidate's views are more in line with Yang's than Adams's are. He would have probably endorsed her anyway. And, of course, no blacks were disenfranchised. There just seems to be this automatic knee-jerk reaction to every election claiming disenfranchisement. There was none. Um, Paul Maringoff says his candidacy gets three cheers at most. Excuse me. I said that wrong. Doesn't get three cheers at most. It gets two. The Republican candidate, if I'm not mistaken, is Curtis Slewa. Do I have that right? Can someone fact check me on that? If I am right, people know that name as the, former, as the former head of the Guardian Angels. Do you remember what a big deal they were in the 80s? Is he indeed, am I right about that, W.D.? John, we haven't talked about John the Mentee. John the Mentee, what are you doing? Are you helping with research back there? Do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? I think you should. I'd like to do it later in the hour. You haven't been on microphone yet. You've been here over a week. Let's tell the audience what you're up to this summer, shall we? Think about it. Yeah, well, after Andy Biggs. I think we have Andy Biggs coming up. Or do I? When's Andy coming? I did. Yes, we'll be right back with Andy Biggs, chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Then we'll hear John the mentee. And then we will hear from one of the great parents in America who is doing her utmost to challenge critical race theory in the state of Florida and really throughout the country. Her statement to the Florida Board of Education went viral. And that's, um, of course, uh, Keisha. King, who will be with us at the top of the uh, next hour? All right, what do I have? I have a quick commercial break. I'm Seth Leipsin, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Andy Biggs coming right up. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. In the 1980s, it was said of Ronald Reagan's uh, President Reagan's political appointees at the Department of Defense. That they would wake up every morning and ask themselves one question as they looked in the mirror to shave their faces How can we make the Russians more miserable today? I get the sense Andy Biggs wakes up saying that about the progressives. Andy Biggs, representing Arizona's fighting 5th Congressional District, chairman of the Freedom Caucus, my favorite congressman. How are you, sir?
0: fantastic how are you doing well,
1: i'm doing fine but you are firing on so many pins how do you know how do you decide what you're going to take on andy you've got this letter to secretary mayorkas i want to talk to you about but you were on other uh, network earlier today television talking about what the nea and the aft are up to how do you know where to start
0: Oh uh, Seth, I was I was just telling my my older sister today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you could throw a dart and be right, probably. That's that's how you yeah, know
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were talking. I was. We were just texting back and forth, and, and I just said, "Look, here's the thing: uh, the left is attacking America. They're attacking this country, and who we are as an American people, and ideologically what we are uh, at, a, at a such a broad spectrum." Yeah. That 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 we have to fight at every everything, whether it's CRT in the schools, whether it's uh, uh preventing the ICE uh, from enforcing the laws that they're mandated to enforce, uh, and the, for the whole mission of their the, uh, of their agency yep. to, to China, mm-hmm. to China or Iran or or uh, this international minimal uh, tax, minimum tax that. That uh, uh, Biden wants to impose and, and, and join us too. This is really uh, we've never seen anything like this.
1: No, they Just no. That's we, right. Really. No, it's an all out, all frontal assault. By the way, uh, you know, you represent Arizona's fighting fifth. I think I gave you guys that appellation. I'm not sure. I think I did.
0: Yeah, I think you did. I but you you, did. you
1: are holding a conference call with your constituents tonight if I'm not mistaken. Do you want to mention that real quick? Uh, they're they're totally yes. in, in in the coverage of our radio signal.
0: Yes. Um, it, 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 be sure to get on. It, it, in fact, not too very long after this at 5:30, we do a TeleTown hall. Um, I take questions. I I give a monologue. We take, uh, we do polling uh, of the of the people who listen in. It's great. It's fun for me. I think it's fun for them. Uh, we we get a nice crowd that listen every time. It's really fun.
1: And people can find out about it by uh, going to your Twitter feed, Rep Andy Biggs, AZ, or calling in at eight three 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 zero five one six. 9-7 at five thirty. 30 Mayorkas, he is our... Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. go ahead. All good? Secretary uh, Mayorkas, yeah, good. Alejandro Mayorkas, Department of Homeland Security. You wrote him a letter yesterday, but here's your first um, two sentences. Your Dear Secretary Mayorkas, your actions to limit U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement's ability to enforce immigration laws are unacceptable and must be reversed, limiting enforcement of immigration is an affront to the rule of law and an insult to the American people and the millions of immigrants who have come to our country legally. I'm glad you put that in there. Thank you. And it places everyone at risk because criminal aliens are not being removed. Go on, sir. What, 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 what got you here?
0: Well, the, the reality is uh, a memo was put out uh, that Mayorkas is limiting and redirecting the mission of ICE mm-hmm. from its statutory mission. And and so some memos that came to our attention indicated that enforcement would drop by over 50%. Uh, and it isn't, I mean, ICE has a tough job as it is. Yep. Why does they, do they have a tough job? Because people who have removal orders are not removed from the courtroom. So if you go in, if you're one of the few people that goes into a court, you get due process, and the immigration judge says, you 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 need to be removed you're not in this country legally they don't they don't have ice doesn't take them back right then they say you know meet us here in two weeks and we will uh we'll send you home uh on an on a flight and so ice has got to be out there trying to find these people and uh, so it's really tough as it is and when you when you do this uh, this deal where you cut down on on the uh the uh enforcement It makes it even harder. And then when you have sanctuary cities and some states that refuse to allow their police officers to uh, basically work with ICE, it becomes absolutely, in my opinion, criminal. And so, so, you know, we ask a series of questions at the end after we lecture in and get it off our chest for a page or two. But, I mean, we want to know what he's thinking i mean i mean that's that's the bottom line here seth is i want to say what in the world are you thinking and have you lost your mind because you've left your constitutional obligations behind
1: i want to uh, underscore exactly what you said with a source that probably doesn't usually agree with you andy but this just goes to the egregiousness of it the boldness of the department of homeland security um the washington post Quotes uh, in an interview uh, about a month and a half ago, Secretary Mayorkas is saying, as you put in your letter, I want to elevate the other work ICE does. But now listen to what the Washington Post said in the news non quoted section. His approach has translated to a new set of marching orders for ICE deportation officers that have significantly scaled back enforcement. Really? Andy? The Washington yep. Post is talking about them scaling back enforcement. Is that how you solve the crisis at the border? Scaling back?
0: No, actually, that's how you exacerbate an already out of control uh, border problem because that will be another magnet and incentive. Uh, I was just talking to Border Patrol agents today, um, and, and here's the thing: uh, we we all know about what's going on in Rio Grande Valley, for instance, uh, uh, three to three to four thousand people a day surrendering, surrendering. And, but in this fiscal year, in the Tucson sector, known gotaways. These are people that we've seen some picture or something. We know they, they were there. They get away over 90,000. Over 90,000 in the Tucson sector alone. These are the guys that are wearing, they're young men, uh, military age. They're wearing camo. They're carrying backpacks. They're bringing in fentanyl and other opiates and other drugs. And, and these guys, don't want enforcement and and we already uh, are setting records of of fentanyl that we're seizing and we think we're only getting 10 to 15 percent we're already setting records on opiate overdose deaths, um and and these guys don't want to enforce the law i view that as a, a constitutional uh abrogation
1: i do too i do too And uh, if anyone thinks you're exaggerating, let me quote The Washington Post uh, yet again, if I can, Andy, quote, under Biden's new rules, deportation officers must seek written authorization from senior level supervisors to arrest anyone who is not a recent border. Can you imagine this? They have to go through a bureaucracy. Oh, my goodness gracious. I remember what happened when the FBI was trying to tell Washington in Arizona was trying to tell Washington, D.C. about guys who wanted to take planes off but not land them in Arizona. And we couldn't figure that one out.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's it's so so Mayorkas is shirking his duty. Um, but I mean, this is going to, all across the board. I, I mean, we we've now let in. I was just I was just doing some rudimentary calculations. If you do known gotaways for this year, and you just take the last three months, um, you are you are pushing eight hundred thousand people have either been apprehended or we know that they got away into the interior. Uh, the agent I was talking to today says uh, estimates are uh, that the unknown gotaways are are somewhere probably twice the number of known gotaways. So that would be Another half million, so you're you're a million and a half people uh, coming into this country illegally this year, and you know Seth, I was I was we had a, a rancher uh, from from Southern Arizona sent me some some video, uh, latest video, because he keeps cameras on his ranch, and you see these guys, and they they are and it's exactly as they described, dressed in camo, they're coming at all hours, night and day, they got the backpacks on, and where they are. There's no there's no Border Patrol agents because you know why? They closed down the CBP uh, 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 office in Wilcox. The station in Wilcox is closed because they need those people to be elsewhere because they have to process so many people. And uh, this administration has done this intentionally. You cannot be this negligent. This is this is uh, being done willfully.
1: Well, Andy, I'm uh, I'm so glad you're on the case and unceasingly so. I'm so glad you have been so doing the job the media won't do by taking people to the border and showing them what's going on so they can see it with their own two eyes. When The Washington Post agrees with you, Andy, uh, and, and, and your indictment of the Secretary of Homeland Security, you know it's that egregious. So uh, keep at it. Yep. And, uh, you know, um, we'll always uh, we'll always do our, our our utmost here, Andy, to propel what you're doing, whether it's your call tonight with your constituents or keeping the administration honest, fighting CRT, fighting China. We're with you, brother. Hundred percent all the
0: way. Thanks, Seth. Keep doing what you're doing, man. God love you. you. I do. Be right back.
1: Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Keisha King, a Florida parent who's doing her best to fight critical race theory in Florida. Her speech having gone viral, making the rounds all over social media. She'll be our guest at the top of the next hour It's a woman who understands America and understands the stakes in our education system uh, for America with the teaching of critical race theory. You're not going to want to miss her. I'm going to ask her what she thinks of Joy Reid over at MSNBC saying uh, critical race theory is nothing more than a um, red flag operation by QAnon. I'll tell you how I know it's not. You know how I know it's not. As far as I know, QAnon came and rose up within the last five or six years at best. I've been against and fighting critical race theory Since 1991, don't tell me this is a QAnon invention.